Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Well, last week I released part one of my interview with jazz pianist, arranger, composer, educator, and film coach, Liz Kennan. And today you get to enjoy part two of my interview with Liz. Now, if you have not had the opportunity to check out last week's show, I want to encourage you to make the time to do so. Liz is a dynamic and passionate individual and musician whose journey is just simply remarkable. The musical path that she traveled is quite honestly one of the most inspirational stories that I have ever heard. And I have no doubt that for All of you who have listened to last week's interview, I have no doubt that after listening to Liz, you walked away with an enormous amount of hope about your own musical dreams and aspirations. So today we get to hear what Liz has to say about jazz education as a teacher and as a student. Once again, and you will soon find out, Her insight into teaching and learning is profound and, yes, motivational. Now, both the audio and video formats, of course, are available for this podcast episode. And, of course, you can listen to the audio version of this episode through any of the popular podcast directories, such as iHeartRadio or Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Pandora, and the list goes on and on. Or you can go directly to jazzpianoskillspodcast.com where you can also watch the video of the show, which I strongly recommend. It was true last week. It's true once again this week. I am beyond thrilled to welcome back to Jazz Piano Skills, Liz Kennan. And, And I use baseball terminology sometimes or sports terminology in my teaching, yeah. uh, yeah. in lots of ways, because right. baseball right. is baseball and books and nature. Besides music, give me baseball, books, and nature. And so sorry about the Dodgers this year, right? Right. What happened there? So I don't know. Well, who knows, right? Yeah. So, well, I'm right with you. So let's talk a little bit about education, Liz. Uh, so okay. you're 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 currently on faculty at Colburn, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the school and your faculty position there. Okay. Um, about, let's see. So I, I, I taught at Dick Groves. I, then the school closed for about 10 years, school closed. I was freelancing, doing some teaching on my own. Um, I got a call from somebody at Colburn saying, we need a jazz piano teacher at uh, Colburn. I think you'd be great. I think you should apply. And I said, Great, because I think at the time my son was, I was taking my son over there for uh, like string orchestra or something, and the place was very impressive. Beautiful facility, great, mm. really great, except you have to drive downtown, so that's, that's, that commute is <laughs> bad. Right. But um, I thought, wow, I, I really miss being a part of a community in terms of faculty, like at the Dick Grove School, it was a community. It remains a community to this day. Anybody that went there or taught there, there's a Facebook alum page, and it's just it's just everybody that ever had anything to do with Dick Grove, the Dick Grove school feels like they were lucky and had something special. So wow. I missed that. And I wanted to be a part of a community. So I thought, yeah, 
So I said to him, do you need a degree? And he said, uh, yes, we required a degree. And I said, well, I don't have a degree. That stinks, you know. I don't have a degree. <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm so sorry. You'd be great. But, yeah, you need a degree. So I, I was really, um, really soul-searched about that. And I thought, right. wow, I would be, I would be good. Uh, right. And what am I going to do about this? And, and I really thought about it and I had dinner with a friend and she just looked at me and she said, you have to go back and to get a degree. You don't want to ever have to lose a job you deserve to have or you want because you right. don't have a piece of paper. You right. got to do it. I was like, right. God, right. my kids were like, you know, maybe they were eight and t- nine or seven and eight. Yeah, they were right. something. Right. And I was working and I was doing this and this and running. And how am I wow. going to but I thought, wow. you just got to make it happen. So I had very few credits, but the local Santa Monica College and West LA College, I took classes. I was in class with people half my age. I just <laughs> went and I got to get, I got to get these lower division classes. I had to take math, uh, like uh, college algebra. I had to take yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I did it. Oh and gosh. then I was like, okay, now I have to transfer somewhere. I had a long road, you know, so I started thinking, well, I, I'm working and I'm not willing to give up the work and I'm not willing to give up time being a, 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 a good parent to my kids. So I got an on, right. I looked up online programs. So there was an online program at Cal State Dominguez Hills, which is not too far from me. I also couldn't afford the time to go drive somewhere and park and do right. it. And all right. of it. I just, I just right. couldn't do it. Right. So right. they had two online programs at the time. I don't know what, what one of them was like out of the question. The other one was called Applied Studies. Applied Studies. Boy, that's specific, right? <laughs> I mean, what is that? <laughs> and it's a Bachelor of Science, you know, but it's online. It's a degree. It's a degree. Turns out it was kind of like a liberal arts degree, but in, in Bachelor of Science. So you, the classes were slightly different right, than a Bachelor right. of Arts. And it was two years worth. And I said, okay. Okay, I'll do that. I want. <laughs> I need a degree, so I'll do that. So it took uh, six semesters, I and I would get home late at night. I'd be reading. I'd be answering stuff online. I would be participating in the group discussions online. I would watch the lectures, and if I could, I'd speed them up so that I didn't. You know, I was a little impatient, yeah. and I took all those classes, and not most of them. Were pretty good. There were a couple that I I'd like to have that time back, but I got that degree, applied studies, right? Wow. Yeah. What is that? Right. You, you and got it. I I uh, bachelor of science and apply and communications minor. So, coincidentally, about six months after I finished that, I got a call from the same person at Colburn that said, "We have that opening again." Um, and I think you'd be great. And I, and I said, that's great because I got a degree. And he said, oh, we no longer require it. <laughs> I did you not. I knew that. I, said, I knew, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. That's hilarious. Uh, but you know what? I, I feel this about education. I, I don't regret, uh, well, maybe just a couple of minutes, two of those classes, but, uh, generally right. speaking, I don't regret any education I've ever had, and nobody right. can ever take it away from you. So that's, that's I went cool. in, I applied, I got called in for an interview along with a few other people uh, who are frankly stronger. They're they're fantastic pianists in L.A. 
And then I got called back for the second, which is they watch, you know, they watch you teach. They put you in a room. They observe you teaching right. something. Right. So the, uh, there were probably three of us that got down to that thing. And so they put me in a room with a 16-year-old I had never met. And they're sitting in the corner. And I, I know that my, my strongest, my strength is with people. So I was very lucky because this 16-year-old guy was very talented and didn't really have much, a lot of technical um, experience, and, but he was very musical. And we just clicked. We just right. clicked. And he played a little bit. And right away, I had a couple of things that I could tell him that made all the difference. I mean, if they had given me someone else, maybe it wouldn't have been the case. But with him, it was. And uh, after about 20 minutes, they said, oh, we, th we think we've seen enough. And they left. And I stayed in there with the, with the guy for another uh, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes. It was just such a simple, you know. Right, right, right. So, so I got hired. And now I'm very proud to say that that guy who helped me get the gig, unbeknownst to him, he he became my student. And then he went on to Cal State Northridge to major in jazz studies or jazz piano. I went to his senior recital. He he is one of the few, you know, there aren't many that, that major that, that end up doing it. This guy, and I'm going to give him a plug here. His name is Michael Raganese. He is a absolutely spectacular musician, pianist, writer, wow. has his own career going. He's, you know, struggling along, as we all do. But he is a very, very fine musician. And now he's doing some teaching in L.A. And I, 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 I love the fact that I, that's how I got the gig, and that's where he went. And so wow. that's how I got involved there. I started teaching privately, just a few few students, few students. And then a few years in, I was asked to, to start the uh, adult studies jazz program because they had had the adults in with the teenagers for okay. combos and such. And it was, um, uh, they wanted to have a, a jazz, uh, the adults to have their own thing. And so Lee Seacard, who was the director of the jazz group, said, well, I would like for you to direct these adult group. And I thought, whoa, I've never I've never done that. I've never done that. I mean, I've direct I've led my own groups professionally. I've played in plenty of professional groups, but I had never directed a, an amateur, you know, adult student. Right. So he said, um, I know you're going to do great. And I said, OK. Do you have any words of wisdom? Because he had been doing this for a long time with the teenagers. And he said, um, two. I have two words, two words, two, two points. And I said, let me have it. And really, they were very, very good points. One is, he said, I highly encourage you to stay with the philosophy that I have and that others have, which is ditch the fake books. It's all about your ears. They got to they not use fake books. Right. So I thought... Well, that's a little bit scary, uh, but yeah, um, okay. Uh, and then I said, "What's the other?" He said, "The other is you have to learn. It's not a democracy. If you're the if you're the leader, you're the leader." And I thought, "Yeah, but I like everybody to feel good and everybody to have a <laughs> part of it." And I really, you know, everybody should. Well, that's true. But I became very aware that what what they're looking for and need, of course, respect and let them have input and and all of that. Right. Yes. But they need a strong leader who knows more than they do that can help them. I don't know everything, but I know more than they do. 
So I, I started to work that way and teach them things by ear and teach them melodies by ear. And it's now been, um, I think it's been 10 years, three semesters a year, fall, spring. And we meet on fall, spring, summer. We meet on Sundays for two hours. Some of the people have, one of them has been there since day one. So he, he wow. has, wow. he has signed up and a couple of guys have been there for eight years, nine years. And so I have my youngest in, I have two groups, two full groups. One is the youngest is 25 and the oldest is 86. And wow. all of these people wow. from all walks of life. And I mean, they're all very smart, passionate people who well, smart people who are passionate about jazz that come yeah. together and they want to get better and they want to have a right. safe place. So we do right. a concert every semester and we, I do, I, I do welcome input from everybody, but at some point they want my, um, I need, I need to, I need to be a leader and, and I, I don't want to prolong this, but I'm, I just have to put this in there. I was thinking about this, um, during the pandemic, Yes. which was, we all, <laughs> Anybody who was teaching at the time, I, 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 I still look back and I just say, wow, I'm so glad I woke up from that. that <laughs> it, was, it was such a sudden thing that, oh my God. that uh, you know, I never, I had always avoided teaching over the, over the internet or over yes, Skype right. or anything like that. I just avoided, right, I always right. said, no, thank you. I'm sorry. It's not, not my thing. Right. And then it came to, well, it has to be your thing or you, you are unemployed. So I figured it out and I got the good mic and I got the overhead camera and I did all that stuff. But like, what am I going to do with these ensemble groups? The whole reason they sign up, the, the whole reason they sign up is to play together. How am I going to do this? And I had some very technical people who, who, who said, well, look, there's this software out there and you can do this. And I, and I thought, well, this guy is technically very advanced and a couple people are, but most, most of them don't even, they can barely even, you know, Right, a, a right. USB mic. What's a USB mic? And and the timing right. and the delay and the sound and and no, so so I had to figure out a way to to facilitate that. And I'm I'm so proud of all of them and of really of myself for having found ways to do that so that well, um, they all right. became stronger musicians and right. uh, well, found ways well, to you do know it. What, you know what that did, Liz? It you know when when you have to art when you have to articulate your convictions not just show your convictions by sitting down and playing when you have to actually articulate your your convictions which we were forced to do when you go to to you know a zoom lesson or online now 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 your words become really really important really really important right it 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 actually makes you a better teacher when you don't have when you don't have that to rely on and you have to you have to articulate it and explain it in such a way that the other person goes, ah, got it. I did have the piano there. I mean, I had my setup with the piano, but oh, yeah. absolutely. And teaching teaching jazz theory, I taught some jazz theory classes on that, and I really yeah. had to get my materials together in a very yeah. oh yeah. my gosh. I, I my family at the time my son was living here too, and they were just like, You never stop working. You're always either teaching or preparing or doing follow-up. I said, I know, I know, but I, I don't know any other way to do it right now. Right. And with the groups, the drummers right. dropped out. But other than that, everybody else stuck around and we found a way to find value. What I found was that in the, the projects that we did, and we did many, and they all say that they became stronger musicians, and I know they did. And one of the reasons yeah. is they were forced to listen more 
to listen Correct. to yep. music yep. and to listen to themselves because yep. they all had to record right. themselves with backing track with some guidelines right. and this and that. And then we listened together to each person's, yep. you know, thing that they did that week. And, and yep. I did a lot of research so that I could bring them really yep. interesting co- content that was, um, Right. They, they may not have thought of. And, and so I learned a tremendous amount myself. I learned it in a very, in a literal way, rather than just sort of abstract. I know right. this is there, but I was forced, as you say, your words right. are, you, <laughs> yes. So important. Yes. So important. Yeah. And, I, so, and so I, that's the silver lining to that experience. Yes. Yes, that is. That is indeed. So, okay. So let's talk about the student a little bit, you know, uh, in your teaching experience, what have you come to kind of realize the biggest challenges, the biggest struggles that somebody, when they go, you know, they get bit by the jazz bug, they want to start learning how to play jazz, like say jazz piano. What, what, what have you found over the years in teaching are some of the biggest hurdles, some mm. of the biggest hurdles that students have to deal with when they finally go full speed ahead and they're going to learn how to play jazz piano? Well, that's a, a, a great question. It's a big question. Um, one of the things that I learned, it didn't take me long to learn this, but there are no two people that are alike. There are no two students that are alike. That's right. That's right. There, I, there you, I have, I have and continue to try to find new ways always to look at the same thing through a different window, depending on who right. the person is. Right. One person is going to respond to these words and this demonstration. Somebody else just doesn't get it. You have a right. group. I mean, in a group setting, that's one thing. In a private setting also. I mean, you have people who are very rhythm, rhythmic, naturally right. rhythmic. They get right. it. They just get it. Um, but have trouble maybe hearing pitches or hearing identifying harmony or, or whatever, but they, they got it with, with regard to the rhythm. Those are the easy ones. <laughs> uh, and then there are some that are, I mean, they have perfect pitch. They play great classical piano. They have more chops than I ever will. And it's hard for them to, you know, it's a fine line whether something swings or doesn't. Right. Uh, if they've had a classical, right. lots right. of my students have had a classical background. I did not. They've had technique. I did not. I mean, didn't have a training. Um, very. I had a very, very unconventional background. And I had certain things that came natural to me that I was very, very lucky about. And other things that I still struggle with. But um, right. I think that... So the first thing is to just sort of assess. Make sure they want to learn. I've had a few, only a few over the years who they really weren't very interested, but maybe their parents were interested in them becoming a mm-hmm. musician or a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. And there, there have only been a couple of times in many, many years where I've said, this isn't working because I mean, I've, I've pulled every rabbit out of every hat trying right. to inspire, right. trying to motivate. And it's just, they just don't want to be here. They don't want to do it. Yeah. They're not ready for yeah. it. And yeah. I have to say that's happened three times in 20 years. Yeah. And one of those, I got a call back from that kid, uh, well, he was a boy at the time. He was, young. he was about 12. And I don't usually now I start maybe somebody around 12, 13. But uh, he called me when he was about 20. 
And he said, I want to tell you, I feel like I wasted, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't listen. Like I wasn't ready at the time. Right. I thought about it so many times. I said, you just made my year. Just yeah, hearing right. say that because right. I kind of felt like a failure. Like, right. What, I can't. right. So, so I guess because a lot of my students come to me after having a classical training, okay. they want to learn to say, play jazz. So I say, well, what, like, who do you listen to? <laughs> well, they, sometimes they don't really have a very clear answer or they say something right. that I don't feel right. is particularly jazz, like new agey stuff. Yeah, right, right. And so then I say, well, so what makes you think you want to learn to play jazz? What do you think jazz is? And so I hear what they have to say, and they, and then I, sometimes I will play a couple of different kinds of jazz. I'll say, well, you could have jazz, something bluesy like this. I'll play a blues in a couple of different styles. and Or you could play this. I'll do like a bebop kind of a thing. I said, or this, maybe a Bill Evans kind of a thing. Um so jazz, but the, the essence of jazz really is improvisation. Mm-hmm. And many of those classical players are afraid to play, quote, wrong notes. Oh, yeah. So I always oh, say, yes. what is the worst that's going to happen? Are, yeah. Is lightning going to strike you dead if you, <laughs> if you play a note that doesn't sound good? And of course, there's the Miles thing. There are no wrong notes. And you just say it depends yeah, on what right. you do after. And I, I know. I, I know. Right. And that's right. true. And he could pull it off no matter what. And most right. experienced jazz musicians can absolutely pull that off. Right. And I'm full of examples of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. I mean, you know, I can, like, this guy yeah. did this, and I did yeah, that. Right, and, right. Yeah, even even yesterday in a lesson, and I was working on, on uh, a monk tune, and it was an F7 chord, but the downbeat of beat one was an E. So, like, how do you, how do you, well, I said, well, listen to it. It sounds great. So, I guess it's not wrong. Right. Or you play the right. note, but you don't play it at right. the same time. Is right. you know, right. you, right. you displace the things. So, right. so to get them away from the fear of right. sounding bad. And the other thing is I have to get through their heads is that jazz is not something you learn in six months or a year or five years or 10 years. It's a life. It, it's a, life a lifelong time. pursuit. Yeah, right. For sure. So yeah. I have to keep their expectations realistic. And just work with them and try really first try to get them to understand what syncopation is, jazz language, yeah. uh, just just phrasing and articulation. Right. I, I think that really feel, phrasing, articulation, those are the three things yeah. that I think that I have to, you know, like educate somebody right. about first. Yeah, well, you, you know, you bring up so many good points, you know, like uh, oftentimes when students come and I meet with them, uh, you know, their first lesson, I, I always say, so you want to study music? And they go, yes. And I go, so then tell me, tell me, what is music the study of? And they kind of look at me like a deer in headlights. I said, well, if you want to study something, I think you probably already have a pretty good idea what it's the study of, because if you didn't know what it's the study of, why would you want to study it? (laughs) Good point. Good point, right? Mm-hmm. And so they and and they and they, well, of course I know they're not going to be able to give me an answer because it's it's you, you right you have to have some experience to be able to answer that question. And I go well, let me tell you what it's what it's not the study of. Let's start with that. Jazz is not the study of dots and buttons. You know, you're looking at a piece of paper and you see that dot means push that button and then that dot means push mm. that button. You know, I say jazz really at its core essence is the study of shapes and sounds. 
shapes and sounds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have to study shapes and sounds in order to to get to jazz. And, uh, you know, that, which touches upon what, what uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit, the misconceptions that students have, right, which are really big hurdles, like the ear train, the ear side of things, right? <clears throat> so oftentimes a student will say, uh, I think I'm tone deaf, you know, and I go, I, I, I go, I said, life must be excruciatingly painful for you. And they, and they like, well, how so? I said, because if you're tone deaf, you can't tell the difference between, say, a helicopter and a police car siren. You can't tell the difference between a dog barking and a cat meowing. And they go, well, no, I can, I, 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 of course I can, I know the difference between those sounds. I said, well, then if you know the difference between those sounds, you can certainly learn the difference between a major sound and a minor sound and a dominant sound and a half to many sound. It's not that you're tone deaf. Nobody's ever taught you what the sounds of music are Mm -hmm. and 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 what they sound like so that you can register those. So, you know, that's just an example of the misconceptions that when people come to study in jazz, that that we as teachers have to as educators kind of have to kind of have to strip that away from them in order for them to get to the starting line to really start having progress. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a great point. And it, that goes along with my, the word that I use, which I think I used the word, uh, maybe I just thought the word, but the word fear, their fear yeah. of, of right. not being good or not sounding good. And, yeah. um, yeah. but the misconception, that's a, that's a great point And one I'm, I'm going to remember, you know, learning the jazz language, when you say you haven't, maybe you can hear these, the difference between these two sounds, but major and minor, they don't, they haven't learned the vocabulary. They haven't learned right. the, the sound to identify the sound. And That's it's correct. funny because you think about somebody with perfect pitch, you would say, you might, one might say, well, then why couldn't you teach yourself perfect pitch? And I know there have been courses and this and that, and I kind of briefly tried to do that. I thought it'd be a good thing. And uh, I wasn't that successful with it and um, <laughs> decided to just forget about it. But I mean, it doesn't really matter. But I've had many students right. that, that do have perfect pitch. And it's 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 a that is a gift. Uh, it's sometimes a curse. But Absolutely. I think that uh, misconceptions. Yes. One of the misconceptions is like how easy it is. And if it was easy, everyone would do it and everyone right. would be able to do it well. But I. Uh, I, I've changed my terminology over the years. I'm going to say even more in the last five or six years. I think that, you know, the longer I teach, the better I get. I hope so, because right. I've heard I'm always looking for new ways to say things and new ways to think of things and new understandings right. to have that I can pass along. And um, at some points, like this has happened in the last, I'm going to say six months. This is true confessions here. Uh, I, I've, I have thoughts about, I have bins of great books, like great books by the greats, some of whom you've had on your shows, uh, Dan Hurley and Bert Legon. Oh, yes. My God. Right. Um, right. my poor students, my high school students, sometimes when they graduate, for their graduation, a uh, little gift I give them. I give them Bert Legon's book, Comprehensive Technique for the <laughs> What a great, yeah, what a great, to great life, gift. You know, and, uh, and so, so I'm, um, in doing that, it, ena- it enables me to communicate with new students and, and students that I've had for a long time about 
you know, I sort of get a little bit metaphoric, talk about like pools of, not spools, pools of sound, like a pool of sound. You don't want to think about, I learned improv from a scale standpoint, like you have this chord and this is the scale that works. You have this chord, this is the scale that works, right? Right. And that worked for me. It is, it works, works for me to this day. But the the mistake, misconception is if you learn your scales and you learn what scales go with what chords, then you're going to play those scales. So I I always make it a very strong point as when you're improvising, you don't play scales. Right. You, the, the scales are not for that. The scales are the notes that are compatible with that chord, but that's correct. It may not be in that particular context or you can go away from it. So I think of a scale as a pool of sound, pool of sound, this particular sound and personality. And then you can do all this other stuff, chromatic and God, you better do a bunch of other stuff, you know? (laughs) So to keep it interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a teacher one time to kind of magnify or illuminate what you're what you're saying here. I had a teacher one time say, "Hey Bob, uh, uh, let me. Ask, how do you, how do you teach students to play wrong notes right? Right?" And I said, "Oh, well, that's easy. That's easy." And he said, "Well, how so? What's the what's the answer?" I said, "Well, I said to teach students to play wrong notes right. How about this? Teach them to play the right notes right first. <laughs> then, then we can worry oh, about the man. wrong notes." Right. And, and what you're talking about with the chord scale relationships are about learning the right notes so that the wrong notes are illuminated so that you can utilize them correctly in conjunction with the right notes. But if you don't know the right notes, you can't identify the wrong notes. I mean, right? yeah, I, I, it, every once in a while I'll get a student who who is a little resistant to, uh, you know, Again, it's like, why are you here if you're not really looking for information right. and, and many other right. inspiration and all that right. stuff. But, but um, and, I ha- and I have had students and I have one right now who I feel like my job is basically just to stay out of his way because there's so much going on and he is not interested in learning some of the things that, I, that I'm best at teaching. But there is something going on in there. He's not ready to hear it. That's what it is. Right. I learned right. that. Sometimes people are just not ready, no matter how important it is and how much I, how important it is, I know that they learn this certain thing and how, no matter how impatient I am for them to learn it, they may not be ready to hear it at that point. And I think that that is some um, wisdom that I've come to in the last, I'm going to say even the last five years. So I think that he, this particular student of mine right now, um, is growing in ways that he needs to grow right now. Right. And they're wonderful ways, really. Right. That he'll get to the other stuff. Yeah. But right now, are. I can't stand in his way of what he's ready to learn right now. Yeah. You know, that's, you, you know, and, and here's another misconception I think a lot of times with students. It's hard for students to hear this. But I think we're all we all we all fall into this camp, Liz. I mean, in, in our own development, we all fall into this camp, right? You know, I'll, I'll before I tell you what I'm going to say, I'll, I'll back up a second. I, and I remember in my when I was finishing my doctorate degree at North Texas, and I was doing my dissertation, and my major professor, uh, Dr. Froelich, you know, German uh, uh, didn't mince words. She was tough cookie, and uh, she would X out 
she, I would take in some of my best writing, and she'd go, exit out, right? And I finally said, I finally had enough. I finally had enough. And I said to her, I said, ah, stop. I said, I'm not rewriting that. I'm not doing it over again. It's done. And, and she looked up at me, and she said, oh, my dear Bob, my dear Bob. She said, stop falling in love with your words. I said, whoa, whoa. Now let me, now let me bring it back to jazz education and jazz pianists. So oftentimes, students, me included, me included, think we're better than what we are. So stop falling in love with what we think is so good and be comfortable enough with stepping back, with mm. going back in order to be catapulted forward. Mm. Right? I tell students all the time, we have to go. You can't Unless we pull back, you can't get launched forward. I'll give you a good example. I have a student where I'm saying, look, I want you to play these changes in time with your left hand like a Freddie Green like a Freddie Green chink 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 I want you to go chink 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 and then I want you to uh in your right hand I want you to just keep it simple improvise or play this melody over the top of this time going on in your left hand well they can't do it they get all mad they get all frustrated and then they try to tell you that they can do all this other stuff, but they can't, for some reason, they can't do that. And I'm going like, sooner or later, you have to just embrace, you know what? Maybe I better go back to just some of this fundamental stuff. Yes. And, and work on these fundamental skills of being able to illuminate time in my left hand and be able to play against that time in my right hand. Maybe that's a big time skill that I actually should learn. He's not taking, you know, it's important, right? And so I think... It's a challenge for students to always go, you know what? It's okay for me to go back, yes. which is really going to actually catapult them forward. What are your thoughts? Right. Yeah, the foundation. Well, it reminds me, uh, I mean, almost everything that you're saying is reminding me of something that happened in the recent, very, very recent past. As recent is in the last 24 hours. I kid you not. <laughs> really. I mean, I was working the Monk Tune thing. That happened, you know, just just yesterday and also yesterday. Uh, I have a student, an adult student, who, um, uh, let's see here, is working on the tune Fever. This okay. is an adult who's very musical. Okay. Just is doing this, you know, enjoys music and, and super musical, doesn't have a lot of time to work. Anyway, you know, the, the bass line, dum, 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 dum. So she's doing that, and we were, ha we were having the the lesson over zoom that for it doesn't matter why but we were having a lesson over zoom so she's getting that and i said just make sure that you get those anticipated notes mm -hmm. and so then she had it she didn't have a metronome going or anything like that but i could hear it seemed like she had it i said okay so your reward for doing that is now you get to snap your right hand on two and four and do that bass line so she's like so she goes doom 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 See, the last one comes the same. And that's just a, let's see, that's a four-bar phrase. So yeah. in, in doing that little little exercise, left hand, just a little, little lick, right. and the right hand snapping on two and four, and I realized, oh, okay, I wrote that down. I'm going to have everyone do that. <laughs> that's just such a Correct. little thing that is right. not simple. It's, it's, a, it's a little thing. It's a, right. It's a little thing. That's a huge thing. Huge thing. Oh, you think right. you think you've got it? And she yeah. she's 
great. Right. She's very, very humble and right. all of that. But when I asked her to do that, I realized, oh, I have to remember to ask everybody to do that yeah. because that, yeah. that also tells right. you where people are at, you know? Yeah. You know, along those same lines, along those same lines, uh, you know, stressing to students how important conceptual understanding is, right? I always tell students, you know, if it's, if it's cloudy upstairs, it's going to be cloudy downstairs. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, it, if, if, if it's, if it's a mess up here, it's a mess here. So, I mean, you right. And very uh, true. Very right. And so I used to have a teacher that used to greet me at the door. Liz, I'm not kidding you. He'd greet me at the door and he'd go like this, uh, B flat dominant seven. And I'd go, uh, B flat, uh, B flat. He goes, you don't know it. A half diminished. Uh, A, you don't know it. Uh, C sharp minor seven. I go, uh, C sharp, uh, you don't know it. And I finally said, I said, okay, will you give me a second here? Will you please just give me a second? And, 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 and he goes, then he goes like this. He goes, spell Bob. And I went, okay, I see where he's going. So I went like this. I went, B, uh, <laughs> right? So he, he laughed. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I should have done, right? But but his whole deal was, his whole deal was if you didn't know C sharp minor seven is C sharp E G sharp B, what what are you looking for? What what, what I what know, the, right? it's hard though. To, I I feel that it's there's so much that we take for granted at this point, and and you got to I feel like you have to make it fun in some way. You have to give them some candy, Correct. even though for me, back in the day. I was happy as a clam learning what every single yes. note was. It just, I, right. I have like right. a little bit of OCD in me and it's like, no, I'm not just going to learn one chord. I'm going to learn everyone. And there was some sort of enjoyment I found in being able to go C sharp, E, G sharp, B, you know, whatever it was. I love that. Right. But most people, right. most people, they need, they, they can't like do everything in 12 keys before you give them a song, you know, absolutely. you got to give them correct. some to have some fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Correct. Absolutely. And and the reality is, right, eventually we want them, when they think C-sharp minor 7, we want them to do what? Grab the shape. Right. right. We don't want to, you're not grabbing the notes, you're grabbing the shape. Right. right. Just like a, a piano teacher teaches a, a, a child, every good boy does fine. Not that they hang on to it, mm -hmm. that they get rid of it, they get rid of it as quickly as possible. So, you know, right. these are all crutches. These are all bridges to help us get to the shapes and sounds that we can play. Shapes and sounds. Instinct. I like that. Yeah. Right. Shapes, sound, yeah. shapes sounds. And I'm going to add one, one to that. Shapes, okay. sounds, and feelings. <laughs> shapes, sounds, and feelings. Because I think jazz, well, the yeah. freedom, of, freedom of expression. Yeah. Freedom. Right. Well, and, and it, goes back to what you, it goes back to what you just mentioned earlier. Who are you listening to? Right. Well, that's right. That's why that question is so important, because that's going to lead you to those feelings. Mm -hmm. Yes. And now, even though I am the jazz piano instructor at Colburn, really what I am is the everything except classical uh, teacher. <laughs> I, because if so, and I have people sometimes they want to come and they want to learn how to play, sing a Beatles song and play with accompanying themselves, singing, and playing a Beatles song. Yeah. Right. I am happy to help them sing and play a Beatles song. Beatles are great. Yeah. It's music. It's great Absol music. Absolutely. If that's what Absolutely. brings them on, they should do it. That's what turned me on. That's what made me yep. a lot of money playing gigs, right? Yep. So that's that's Absolutely. a very um it's it's certainly valid and wonderful and it's it's music and it's well, what makes them happy. 
Well, I'm a big time jazzer, but people will ask me oftentimes who are some of my favorite musicians, and their jaws open, their jaws drop because I'll say something like, "Well, I love Willie Nelson's, I I love George Strait," and they're like. You know, yeah. like, are you? I, right. go, I go, what are you talking? I, I like more people than just jazz guys, you know? Right. I, I have a, a student. I feel like I'm always saying that. And one of my sons says, Mom, you, you start so many sentences. I have this student who, but it's true. I mean, I really connect with every one of them. <laughs> right. And I honestly, this is, this has to do with, I think, something we said earlier, but by far the best thing about what I do is the people I meet. And I get to have a window into their life for an hour. And um, share music and just life, and and life. being more life. than a music teacher is is trying to understand where, what they're ready to hear, and how to help them get better, whatever the style is. And I, yep. to, not to bounce around too much, but when people ask me, you know, who are who are you? What's your favorite music? It's like, well, Queen, Freddie Mercury, uh, you know, you Carol go. King. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Geez, there's so much great music. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, I just jazz is just one, and and I wouldn't want anyone to be just completely narrow in that way. I was for a long time, and then I got categorized in that area until I started learning Afro-Cuban and Brazilian music. And then for a while, people are like, "Oh, she only plays she only plays Latin music." It's like, what are you talking about? I played, and in LA anyway, that became an issue. I don't know about anywhere else, but. They like to, you know, compartmentalize, and now maybe it's a little bit different. But uh, it just—it's kind of frustrating because, yes, you can be good at more than one thing. Exactly right. So, uh, you know, you touched upon another thing that I want to uh, to illuminate, and and we'll kind of use it as a way to wrap things up here. Is you know, I mentioned to you earlier before we actually started recording that I had a teacher that. He asked me one day in a lesson, he said, Bob, what's the greatest thing about, what's the greatest thing about music? And I, of course, I was like 14, Liz, so I thought it was a trick question. You know what I mean? I thought, <laughs> what, what, you're, when you're 14, everything's a trick question, right? So I, I said, uh, the greatest thing, and I, and, I, and I thought about it, and I said, oh, uh, uh, polychords. And he goes, polychords? No. Uh, I said, uh, altered dominant chords. Uh, no. At 14, no, you, you were know. using those terms? Yeah, well, because he was because of him, because wow. of him, because he That's was a good teacher. Yeah, and uh, so, so he said, "No, Bob, uh, it's none of that." He said, "Don't ever forget that the greatest thing about music is the people that you're going to meet through it." And uh, I amen. can tell you that, Amen. Right? I I I think of him often every day because every day I'm just meeting fabulous people. And today's certainly no exception. Liz, it's been such a great blessing to meet you. And I'm so thankful and so grateful that you sent me that email to point out my mistake. Who knew? Yeah. Right. And I, I just hope and pray that you continue to send me emails to point out my mistakes so I can get them fixed and corrected. But, but, uh, it, it, <laughs> that's going to be necessary, but no, you know, I hope so. I'm so grateful, though. It's it's so great to get to know you and meet you and, Likewise. and establish our friendship. It's awesome. Likewise. I'm very grateful as well and feel uh, very flattered to be in the company of uh, others who have done your show, who are really some of my heroes, honestly. Right. Likewise. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, absolutely. Likewise. 
So, so, all right. so, well, I know it's going to be a treat for all the jazz piano skills listeners to get to know you and, uh, they'll be able to, uh, check you out. I know that all you got to do is do a search for Liz, just do a search for her. Just like I did stalker a little bit. You're going to find out all kinds of great stuff. And I'm not too sure. And, I like the word stalking, but <laughs> a search, search is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, stalking in the most kind, gentlest, and professional way possible. Why, thank you. Why, thank you. Right. So, uh, Liz, on behalf of all the Jazz Piano Skills listeners, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and joining me. And you know what? I'm going to get you on. I'm, I'm going to get you recorded right now uh, and committed to coming back on in the future. I'd love it. And coming back and coming back on again as a guest. I'd love to have you back again because there's so I would much. Love we to just, come back. We've just scraped the tip of the iceberg here. I, I agree. I agree. Oh, I didn't say. I didn't say that. Oh, I should have said. So well, go ahead, I would say love it. to come back. Yeah. What, what, what are you what doing tomorrow? You... <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't te- don't tempt me like that. Don't don't do it, Liz. So anyway, oh great. It's been a, it's been wonderful, Liz. Thank you so much, and I look Likewise. forward to our I look forward to our continued friendship, and I look forward to having you back on Jazz Piano Skills. As do I. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome. Well, I hope you have found part two of this Jazz Piano Skills podcast interview with special guest Liz Kennan to be insightful, inspiring, and motivational. After spending time with Liz recording this interview, I could not help to think about one of my musical heroes, mentor, and teacher, Al Franzen. Al would say to me after every lesson before I headed out the door, never forget, Bob. The greatest thing about music is the people you meet through it. And oh, how right he was. The privilege of meeting and spending time with Liz simply confirms Al's sentiment 100%. Now, don't forget, if you are a Jazz Piano Skills Ensemble member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Piano Skills Masterclass. It's going to be 8 p.m. Central Time to discuss this podcast episode featuring Liz Kennan in greater detail and, of course, to answer any questions that you may have about the interview and or about the study of jazz in general. As always, if you need to reach me, you can do so by phone. My office number here at the Dallas School of Music, 972-380-8050. My office extension is 211. You can reach out to me as well using email, Dr. Lawrence, drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com. Or you can use the nifty little speak pipe widget that is nestled on every page, nestled in on every page found throughout the, the Jazz Piano Skills website. It's a great little way to reach out to me. Well, there is my cue. That's it for now. And until next week. Enjoy the journey, enjoy the pearls of wisdom shared by Liz Kennan. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.